Hello and welcome to episode 165 of the Fertility Podcast. I'm Natalie Silverman, your host, and if this is your first listen, well, first of all, I need to just explain that I am full of cold, so I'm not going to do a very lengthy intro because um, I'll be coughing and spluttering. But if you've just found this podcast, I hope that you have a listen to previous episodes because what you're going to hear is quite a specific story. I find a lot of my content from you through social media. I speak to lots of experts as well, but I just want to explain that there's going to be potentially some triggers in this upcoming chat. I connected with a lovely lady called Zara Dawson on Instagram who I'd been tagged in a post that she had shared about uh, having to terminate a pregnancy and you'll hear Zara explain her infertility struggles and the journey that her and her partner went on and why she's in this place of wanting to share what she's been through but I wanted to just give you as much advance warning in case this isn't an episode that you're in the right place to listen to. It's a sad story um, but it's one that Zara wants to share to raise awareness of how she dealt with what she went through because she felt very isolated as you'll hear her say and it is heartbreaking what she went through and what she had to struggle to make happen once her and her husband had made the decision to terminate and so have a listen but I just wanted to warn you I know that so many of us are at different stages with our infertility that the smallest thing can have an impact so there's lots of other types of content that I've made for you if this doesn't sound like the kind of episode that you'd want to listen to, okay? I'll put all the details of the organisations that Zara mentions at the end of this podcast. And if you want to feedback to me about it, about anything similar, you can get in touch with me on Twitter and Insta at Fertility Body. The Facebook uh, page is The Fertility Podcast. My closed Facebook group is Talk Fertility. And my email is natalie at thefertilitypodcast.com. All right, so here is Zara. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, it's kind of sad circumstances that we're talking uh, after, as I mentioned, I was tagged in a post that you'd put up to explain where you were at in what sadly has turned out to be um, a really traumatic end to a frozen embryo transfer. Before we talk about what you've just been through, just tell me a bit about your journey to, to start your family. Well, we started trying uh, for a baby in 2014. I've got quite bad endometriosis. So I knew that I maybe should have tried as long as they advise you to before I seeked help. So I went to my GP who suggested we go straight to IVF, which was a bit of a shock to say the least. So the endometriosis had been diagnosed and you'd been managing that over the years? Yeah, I'd had that for about seven or eight years. My sister had it very badly, as did my mum and possibly my nan. So I kind of knew it was within the family. But to be honest, when the GP suggested IVF, I just, I was shocked because I thought she'd maybe suggest some preliminary tests or something else. But at the same time, I'm very much, if I make my mind up with something, I want it now. And I wanted that baby now. So I went for IVF. And yeah, that's kind of where it all, all started. Were you eligible for funding with your I was. Yes, okay, I was. So you were I fortunate, was... like me. Mm. I think we're a, a rare breed of actually I know. being Do you know what? And I actually, I just 
cannot imagine having that added stress of the financial pressure. Yeah. Uh, you know, and having to go through IVF, especially on the first cycle, which they often say is is the cycle where they try out things and yeah. they don't always know what's going to work for you. I just I just feel gutted for anyone who doesn't have at least one go, and it's just it's just heartbreaking to be honest. Completely, no, I completely agree. So you had one cycle, and did you have success on that first cycle? I did, I did. I had uh, so the first cycle I had in May 2015. Um, and yeah, I had success. I was unfortunately very poorly. I had severe OHSS from that cycle. Right. Um, so I was hospitalized for nearly three months on and off. And just to explain a bit about what happened, how, how that kind of affected you, because I've talked a bit about OHSS before, um, to people, but it's always interesting. It it affects people in so many different ways and it's still not talked about and it, and it's, and it shouldn't happen, which is the most annoying thing. It it really annoys me that so many clinics don't seem to bring this up, that this is actually a real, a real risk for you. And especially the private clinics, I sometimes wonder if they maybe do the transfer when possibly they shouldn't. I don't know. But I know for me, I shouldn't have had the transfer when I did. I had to have emergency stomach surgery at 10 weeks pregnant um, because the doctors kind of told my other half that it was either my life or my baby's life. And it was, you know, it was petrifying for him. And that could have all been avoided had I just frozen everything and waited a few months. But Sadly, I didn't, and it was it was a petrifying pe- pregnancy from start to finish. I had so many issues. I was rushed in by ambulance five times. As I said, I had this surgery. Um, yeah, it was it was frightening, and I know it's so frustrating when people are told they have OHSS. But I would just my advice would be just don't risk it. Just take take the advice and just don't risk it. So you were told that you had it before the transfer, were you? Yeah, the clinic said to me that I had it mild to moderate. Okay. But you know what it's like when you've done all your injections and your yeah. jabs and you just you wanna just want to get on with it. And I, I begged them. I had no idea what OHSS was because I don't feel it's out there enough for us to know. Um, but as I said, I very nearly, you know, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate to be here. And I don't say that lightly. It was petrifying. And I woke up one day when I was about four weeks pregnant, so very early on and couldn't breathe and called the clinic who got me straight in for a scan. And they found fluid had leaked right up under my lungs and was compressing my lungs. So I literally just couldn't breathe very well. Um, So I was rushed straight into St. Thomas Hospital. And at this point, I had told not one person we were doing IVF. So I then had to call my mum and dad and say, I'm in hospital. (laughs) I need you to come and see me. And by the way, I'm pregnant. It wasn't the best start for my pregnancy, I must say. And as far as any support offered from your clinic, I mean, you said you've hardly told your family. Obviously, the OHSS is there and it's affected you traumatically. And now having to deal with all of this, was there somebody or people at the clinic that were like, right, we can work through this with you. Do you need us? Or were you still feeling pretty much on your own? I felt really isolated. And I know part of that was my own doing because I didn't tell anyone. But at the same time, it's kind of why I want to kind of speak out about it now. Because when you are feeling isolated when you're going through IVF it is honestly the loneliest place in the world it's just scary and that was the bottom line I felt so scared because not only did I not know about really the IVF process I didn't know anything about OHSS and all of a sudden I'm googling it and reading stories that (laughs) 
don't sound very good. And yeah, I was petrified. And even when I was asking questions to my clinic, they weren't particularly helpful, I must say. You see, I, I hear this a lot with different people that I talk to about the treatments. And interestingly, just recently shared uh, a chat with a, a new clinic who were putting such emphasis on patient care. And I speak to fertility coaches and counsellors and everybody talks about that care is there. But it's that disconnect between the clinics and the people offering the care. And it, it just drives me insane, the number of people that I speak to who say the same thing and that this is ongoing. And I, and I know that there's brilliant things happening with the likes of Fertility Network. They've got this patient pledge that they're getting clinics to sign up to. And hopefully we will start to see this, this sea change. But still, there's things that have gone on, like what you're telling me right now, that aren't going to go away and that that scarring it, it's it's deep isn't it do you know what you're completely right there i didn't really realize how much it had affected me and i had my son i went into labor initially at 28 weeks and they held me off until 36 Gosh. and by the time i'd had him i'd been through so much trauma yeah. I did not know how to connect with him. I think I was suddenly trying to deal with this trauma, but I also had a newborn baby who was in intensive care. I didn't have enough milk. I was being wheeled down to intensive care in a wheelchair because I couldn't walk because I had a terrible injury from birth, shall we say. And I just didn't know what I was doing. And I honestly feel it was because I didn't really have that support at the very beginning of the pregnancy mm. that I felt so isolate, isolated for the entire eight months and it took me a good three or four months after having my son that I finally started to feel okay and that's a long time to not feel like yourself it was a year and that does you're right that takes a long time to get over and it it does scar very deeply. It's heartbreaking to hear and it's heartbreaking to know that it will still be affecting people in the same way because as much as the Instagram community, my podcast, the the press coverage that is growing all the time, the conversations in the mainstream media that are happening, still people are keeping it a secret. They're still not reaching out, are they? They are. And I think it's, I feel so impassioned now to speak out because I just think if I had maybe cottoned onto someone doing this when I was feeling like I was, it would have helped so much. So if just one person listening to this thinks that this is helpful in any way it's completely worth it and what about your other half because obviously there's the pair of you involved in the trauma were you able to talk about how it was making you both feel was he able to support you he and, was absolutely you, no I wasn't able to support him and it's something I do feel guilty about because when you're told you know he got told by the doctor that if I didn't have surgery within the next few hours they weren't sure that I was going to make it through the night and to be told that yeah. I think is horrendous and yet he still had to be there because I was so very poorly and was poorly for the next six seven eight months no I, I, I don't feel there is enough support out there for the other halves in this journey at all and he is actually he won't mind me saying he's actually about to go for his first counseling session right. because I think with what we've just been through this latest thing we've been through was just one thing too many and I think he just wants to talk about it to somebody right. and right. just offload and yeah I think he's looking forward to that. Well let's talk about what's just happened because it's as if you hadn't been through enough I know you've got your beautiful son he's two and a half years old. Yes. Jax we were just talking yes. about this Jax. <laughs> so 
You had frozen embryos after that first cycle. I did. So I had six embryos. We decided to have a frozen transfer. I had a, was lucky enough to have a natural transfer. Well, I say lucky. A natural frozen cycle is actually really stressful. Really? You think it's yeah. I think because you have zero control. Right. And I felt when you're injecting yourself, it's all laid out for you. It's there's yeah. a tiny bit of control there, but natural. You are reliant on your body, your cycles, and it stressed me out intensely. So we actually had a transfer earlier this year in the summer and we were very lucky that it worked and on the day the embryologist said that it was the way it was defrosting and it started to expand and it was beautiful were her words. So we were very hopeful and it was successful. Okay, so a successful transfer and your second pregnancy... Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, this isn't a happy story, and I'm I'm actually struggling to talk to you about it because I I I I feel really invasive asking you this, but I know that you want to talk about it, but you you had to have a termination of your pregnancy, didn't you? I did, yeah, and everything was going fine. I had horrendous nausea, which I secretly loved because it made me feel like something was growing in there. And I was being scanned weekly at the early pregnancy unit, and everything was going perfectly and then we went for a scan um I was over over 12 weeks and we went for a scan and the sonographer said everything looks fine so I went and sat back out in the waiting room and she sent my other half downstairs with Jax and then she called me back in and she said actually we've found something in the stomach it's a pouch of fluid and to be honest with you I could just you know when you're you feel your heart is about to beat out of your chest god And I could see her lips moving and I couldn't really make out what she was saying. But basically there was something. They were happy to wait another two weeks and see if it had improved. But there was something wrong, they were saying. There was something wrong that it could have it could have sorted itself by the next scan. But I think deep down in that instance, I just knew something was not right. So I stayed at the early pregnancy unit for seven hours waiting to see a fetal medicine doctor which I did and she kind of said the same thing wait another two weeks which I wasn't happy to do so the next day I went and got a private scan at the Great Portland Hospital just for a second opinion and they confirmed that the baby had something called body stalk anomaly which sadly isn't compatible with life at all Um, my goodness so I went home and I did, I did, I'm a bit of a researcher when it comes to things like this. I did my research and as soon as I saw there had been four live births in seven million people in the world, you know, four, four babies that had lived not very well, I kind of knew what we were up against. Um, wow. And so the next day we went back to St. Thomas and it kind of all got confirmed and we sadly decided that we wanted to terminate. We wanted to take all the pain in that instance so that baby would never know any pain, which, you know, it, it kind of, it doesn't even make me emotional anymore because I think I know deep down we did the right thing for us. It may not be the right decision that everybody would make, but for us, yeah. as soon as we knew there wasn't a 1% chance that our baby would ever live, then we knew what we needed to do. I mean, that strength, I mean, I've got tears in my eyes but that strength sadly has come through the trauma that you've already been through hasn't it it's that it self-protection absolutely as well. absolutely and another thing you know we, we do have a beautiful healthy two and a half year old and when we thought well maybe you know when you start to think well maybe this baby would survive and you think but 
you don't I don't want a baby who has to live in hospital and has operation after operation because of the effect it's going to have on my two and a half year old Mm. and I think it's different if you give birth and then you're presented with your baby if it's if it's poorly you then deal with that but if we knew that we could save our baby and Jack's that pain then that's then that's what we chose to do and it was it was absolutely heartbreaking and I'm you know I'm more than devastated but we know deep down that that we made the right decision well hats off to you for being able to talk about it because I don't think it was that long ago was it that this happened no it was it was just six weeks ago right um so so yeah it's it's all new and to be honest I'm I'm learning to work through it but one thing I will say is that I've apart from ARC which is a, a charity which helps with termination they are actually the only charity that I've found that deals with termination and termination is so different from miscarriage and I find myself reading things where certain other charities will say oh have you suffered a miscarriage or an ectopic or a molar pregnancy and you think no but I still have suffered a loss and termination just gets so lost within those other losses and it is actually a really isolating place to be. Right I can imagine because it's so associated with a decision that's been made for very different reasons than you've just explained. Absolutely. And another thing I had to, um, I had to fight for a surgical termination, which is done under general anaesthetic. They wanted me to have a medical termination, which would mean having an induction and Mm. passing the baby. So I actually found myself seven weeks ago now, I found myself calling around all the abortion clinics in London. And sadly, that is what they are called abortion clinics. And beg the abortion clinic to give me a surgical termination because I needed my baby for genetics testing and I asked them how I would get my baby from their clinic to St Thomas Hospital for testing and nobody knew the answer and then somebody got back to me and said oh we can actually give you your baby on the day in a box and you can take it away with you. I knew then I thought this is not okay I went back to St. Thomas and I fought for 10 days to have a surgical termination. And sorry if I get a bit upset. (laughs) No, I Um, I can't believe what I'm hearing. No, but you you know, and I'm working with the hospital now to ensure that this doesn't happen to anyone else because that heartbreak on top of knowing that you're going to terminate your baby, I had to carry my baby for 10 days knowing what was coming. And yet I was fighting to terminate And a medical termination isn't fine for everybody. It certainly wasn't for me. I very sadly saw my nephew be born sleeping 11 years ago. So I couldn't be back in a room and have that happen again. And I just said to them, this isn't okay. My only option shouldn't be a medical or an abortion clinic who can't cater for me taking my, you know, getting my baby genetically tested. And after 10 days of fighting and fighting and fighting, they agreed and they, St. Thomas Hospital, finally did a surgical termination for me. Gosh. Oh, I I mean, I I, I just, I don't really know what to say. There aren't really any words to try and understand just how you held it together with all of that. And I'm so pleased that you are seeking help. And you said before that your other half is because... yeah. 
I think that with something like this, you know, those dark moments are going to present and you're going to be caught off guard and you just need to have some tools because who, who, how could you have ever expected to have to deal with something like this? I know. And I think also when you have another child, you think, oh, I'll keep going for them. But that doesn't mean that at some point you're not going to crack. Yeah. And it, not everybody does, absolutely. But I'm very lucky that I found an amazing therapist called Flora Saxby who deals with birth trauma Um and loss and you know everything else surrounded with those sorts of topics and she she gave me the courage to try IVF again and sadly we have been burned in the worst possible way but I do hope that with a bit more help from her that we will find the courage to try again because we do have five more embryos frozen so I'd love to find the courage at some point to to go again. Wow I mean hearing that is amazing because you'd my instinct would be like just to stop but you know, you know, know what you want you know what your body what yeah. you want to do as a family and so I know that you're keen to to raise awareness and to talk of this and I know that you'd shared where you were at on your Instagram and it, it's it's interesting because when I saw your post that I'd been tagged into it and I was looking at your feed which is all about your beautiful cottage in Norfolk and I was like I can't see anything here related to infertility stuff and I was reading through and I loved how you share your journey in that you share it in a completely different way to what a lot of the TTC community do in that you you put an image up that is summing up something to do with your world that day and then you talk about what's happening in your world that day which I loved and I I hope that you found more than you realize from the Instagram community because I I mean from the from the comments I saw on where I was tagged there was obviously a number of people sharing their experiences and, and sharing advice has it yes. been helpful do you know what it has and to be honest I initially put up the the post about us having to have a termination the day we had it confirmed and it was that absolute and I'm sure so many people can relate to this it was that absolute desire that I instantly wanted to let everyone know we were pregnant I wanted everyone to know that we were going to have a baby and we didn't have a baby who was born alive and that anybody sadly has got to know but we still had a birth you know a life inside and we had we have two children in our minds and in our hearts we will always have two and I just kind of wanted everyone to know that I was so desperate and I was so shocked at the amount of people who got back to me and the number of people I can't even tell you who said thank you so much I had a termination and I've never felt I could tell anyone because I'm ashamed Oh, breaks my heart and we're not about on about an abortion which is very different and you know I can't get into that and that's everybody's yeah. own choice but a termination which brings so much guilt and heartache and heaviness and to carry that around and not feel you can tell anyone made me just think no I just have to be a bit more outspoken about this so people know there are other people going through this so as far as the help that you found you mentioned ARC and you mentioned your therapist and I'll, I'll put details in the show notes if you're happy to share. Absolutely, yeah. As, and for anybody interested in the body stalk anomaly that you, you described, am I, am I right in saying you said there's a 1 in 40,000 chance of it happening? 1 in 40,000. And I have found nobody else within the UK who has ever been diagnosed with it or whose baby has been diagnosed with it. So if anybody is listening, I'd love to connect because I, <laughs> I do at the minute, I feel like I'm the only one. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, the podcast is international, so who knows? I mean, that would be amazing right. to, yeah. to... If that was the power of the work I do, then mm. that is, you know, that is amazing too. Wonderful. Well, Zara, thank you so much for talking and sharing and just putting it out there. And I, I hope that you find some kind of inner peace in talking more about it. And, and, I, and I know that you will because I know from the stuff that I do having the opportunity to talk more about this does help it um, really does and it's it's, yeah and it surprised me how much it does help it is so cathartic I feel very sad if people don't have the support that I have and that you know the great supportive partner and the my family are wonderful and if people don't have that this is really such an isolating place to be and you are not alone. You are never alone. There is always somebody else going through what you're going through. Just thinking about what you did. I mean, you used Instagram and I've talked a lot about Instagram. I mean, do you put things anywhere else or is this where you found kind of that dialogue? No, I don't. This is this is where I kind of just, yeah, I've just put it out there here. And like I said, I never kind of meant for it to go on. It was just one post where I was desperate to tell everyone I was so proud that I was pregnant. Um, but it's kind of snowballed and I have realized just how powerful social media can be at times like this. You can give away as much or as, as little as you need to or want to. And I think that's, that's, what's great about it. Well, look, I wish you a Merry Christmas as as a a difficult time for you and your family, but I, I, I hope that the healing process, whilst it will be lengthy, it, it just restores you as, as, as quickly as, as, as possible, I suppose. Yes, thank you. And I think that is the hardest bit when you feel everybody else feels it's over for you. And, oh, they had a loss six weeks ago, whereas we are very much still living this. And, yeah, it's just about working through it day by day, I think. Yeah, day at a time. And you are amazing for talking about it. So thank you for shedding light on the Body Stalk Anomaly. And let's see what else we can find out. Wonderful. Thank you. Okay, before I give you the show notes, just a quick note from my sponsor. If you're looking for a supplement to take whilst trying to conceive... Pregnacare Conception and Wellman Conception provide advanced nutritional support. They include zinc, vitamin D and the exact levels of folic acid recommended for women by the UK Department of Health. Pregnacare is expert nutritional care while trying for a baby. And to find out more, visit thefertilitypodcast.com forward slash shop. Show notes for this episode are thefertilitypodcast.com forward slash Zara. As I said at the start of this episode, I wanted to just forewarn you because it was a difficult subject matter for me to even talk to Zara about. She had said she was keen to talk about it. I think it's so important with the different struggles that we go through, if we feel happy and willing to talk about it, that we do to help others. And if, if you are in a similar place and you'd like to get in touch with Zara, her Insta details will be on the show notes. If you'd prefer to get in touch with her via me, of course, that is absolutely fine. And if it brings up anything else that you wanna ask more about, by all means, get in touch. Natalie at thefertilitypodcast.com is my email. I'm keeping it short because my throat is burning. Thank you as always for your support. And until next time, 